A roofing contractor who spent 15 years as a firefighter reached out to us to share his perspective about the importance of attic ventilation, bringing his firefighting experiences to the conversation. Hi there, welcome back to another episode of our podcast, airing it out with AirVent. My name is Paul Shelsey. I host AirVent's Attic Ventilation Ask the Expert seminars offered every winter to residential roofing professionals all across North America since 1998. Jason Verbecki was a firefighter for 15 years in the Detroit, Michigan area and then in the Charlotte, North Carolina area. He's a full-time roofing contractor at the Allard Roofing Company in Fort Myers, Florida, and he's our guest today. Welcome to the podcast, Jason. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate you reaching back out to me after that email. Um, I, I just hope I can bring a little bit of knowledge to everybody about ventilation. I'm very passionate about it, um, as you know. Uh, I just hope I can kind of clear up some things to a couple of listeners if it's possible. Um, and to throw out a disclaimer, I'm, I'm no vent guru. Um, so like there's, there's plenty of people that probably have way more knowledge and, and, and can teach it a little bit better. But with my experience, you know, I went through a bunch of classes, a bunch of courses, seminars, um, but I put in the work, I put in the research, I put in the, the, the need and, and the passion for wanting to learn more about it. And um, we, we had training hours and I would, you know, go above those hours because I was just that guy. I, I always want to learn more and I, I feed off of that. Um, and that's just one of the things that hopefully it'll, it'll kind of branch off and you'll be able to tell that through, through this uh, podcast episode and with your seminars, hopefully this can get me in your good graces to where we can get you down here in Fort Myers, Florida to do one of your seminars for us. Absolutely. Thank you, Jason. And I, I know you're passionate from the short time I've known you. And, and thank you. you. So Jason reached out to me uh, via email for our listeners in response to one of our email blasts that AirVent sends to the industry, sharing tips and resources. Jason responded to one of those e-blasts. And if I may, Jason, I'd like to just share with our listeners your your comment in that email the importance of attic ventilation on an active fire scene early and in coordination with the fire attack crew can make or break the outcome of the incident. Jason, would you please elaborate a little bit for me and our listeners, how specifically can proper attic ventilation or, or the lack of it make or break the outcome of a fire incident? Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, to go a little bit back on, you know, my experience, um, I started out at a young age and then I, I transferred over after 9-11. I wanted to do something more and I, I became a firefighter, went through all the classes and everything like that. Um, but as I said earlier, knowledge is power. So I was in every course I could get in. Um, when I eventually got on full time, I, I became an instructor for the college to teach newer guys coming in. Um, and one of the things that we did in North Carolina was we had live fire burns. Um, and that was part of our training. We could, we could do that in the state. It was, it was allowed there, but we had a group of, uh, I don't know, it was maybe 20 units of trailers that were getting demolished and they gave them to us to do training on. Um, and one of the, the actual live fire scenarios that we went through is we would bring a, a company in with us 
and we'd go over the steps of, of fire growth. Um, we'd, we'd light some pallets and, and hay on fire and every 30 seconds, uh, fire doubles. Um, so we would sit there and, and this would be my, my, my part of the training is I would sit that company there, light the fire and I, I would tell them, okay, every 30 seconds the fire doubles. So let's, let's sit here and, and realize how that translates being into the situation. So we would sit there, let it grow, you know, and I would be talking and throwing out some statistics and scenarios and saying like, okay, well, the, the homeowner just realized that the house is on fire. Now the homeowner's scrambling to get his stuff, get dressed, get outside, get to a safe area. Now he's calling 911 to contact them and say, hey, I got a house fire. You know, I, it's getting out of control. I need the fire department. So that's two minutes. All right. So now uh, they 911 co- contacts the, the local fire department. And, you know, those guys get up out of bed and, and they get their gear on. And, and we got to do donning drills. And you got to be geared up within 30 minutes or 30 seconds. Sorry, 30 minutes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But 30 seconds, you got to have your gear on beyond the truck. And that's, you know, your gear, your air pack, everything, your odds. Um, and, you're, and you're driving down the road going to the scene. By the time we show up, average response time, now you're looking at like about seven minutes, seven, eight minutes from the initial uh homeowner realizing that the house is caught on fire to the initial time that the first engine gets there, you're looking at seven to eight minutes. Fire grows double every 30 seconds. Um, and the whole time we're sitting in this live burn and I'm trying to explain to these guys and they're watching this thing grow and grow. And we're watching smoke bank up to the ceiling, bank back down. And now it's everyone's crouching down and getting on their knees because they can't even see me anymore. And, you know, we're just trying to, give them that experience because nobody understands that factor into it. Like it seems like an eternity before that first truck gets there. But, but by the time they get there, now they're jumping off the truck, they're catching a fire hydrant to get a water source and they're pulling hoses to get them to the door. And then every 30 seconds it's double. So, um, you know, that, that's where it comes from and time is of the essence. So when we break it down to the roofing terms, you're, you're looking at an attic and, and obviously it's not under fire conditions. I'm not trying to say it's the same thing, but no. we're, we're looking at an attic when you put years on that and 10, 15 years, and we're looking at manufacturers warranties for their products for, for roofing and under underlayments and shingles and, and all that stuff. When you put that into the, to the scope, it's you're putting all these years on that roof with the sun baking it. And here in Southwest Florida, you know, you got the sun baking it up top and then, you know, you're trying to cool it off as much as you can. So we're making these houses more and more uh, energy efficient. But the problem is we're not exhausting any of this, this hot air to go anywhere else. So it's sitting in your attic. And um, I mean, that's pretty much the gist of it. We just, we got to understand that we're, we're putting more years on that product and we're, we're, lowering the life expectancy of that product and we're doing a disservice to our customers the homeowners if we don't have the knowledge ourselves and there's a lot of um, contractors out there that are just stuck in old ways and and don't understand like you get you have to move with the times the research has been done um there's there's a uh thing on youtube and this was one of our training sessions with the fire department it was a ul study about um the flow path of fires and they did it on Governor's Island in New York. 
Um, and they lit up these complexes. And I mean, they were trying to push fire and see how they could change course of fire and, and see if they could push it into another room. But what they ended up realizing was they could create chimney effects. And that's how they were they were moving the fire. It wasn't because we were pushing it with the fire stream or, or the water stream or anything like that. We were pushing it with introducing an intake, which is you know what we're talking about here with roofing. You want intake and exhaust um, to, to get that airflow, to get those hot air out of your attic. So they, they, they understood that opening a front door was giving you intake. And then your exhaust was your vent hole, which that's where I came into play. You know, I, I started out on an engine company and, and I got no problem with going and putting the wet stuff on the red stuff. I mean, anyone loved to do that. That was in the fire service, you know, and I loved it. Um, but I had a leadership that was smart enough to realize that they had a, a diamond in the rough on their truck. You know, um, I had a, a Captain Farley and an engineer by the name of Sean McBride. They ended up going to the administration and saying, hey, look, we have a former roofer on an engine company pulling hoses. We're, we're missing the ball. This guy should be on a, on a truck. He should be on a vent, vent, vent crew. So they ended up transferring me over to uh, the ladder truck. So, you know, and that's where I got more and more in depth with ventilation and, and that made me dive more into it. And I was already comfortable being on the roofs and running around and doing that and cutting holes. But, you know, it, it, it really was um, a big kudos to them for realizing you got to have the right personnel in the right positions to make, make stuff work better. Sure. And, and goes with roofing companies as well, have the right people in the right positions. Yes. Uh, thank you, Jason. Uh, J for our listeners, Jason was, not was, he still is, Jason was a roofing contractor before he was a firefighter, 15 years firefighting, and he's back full-time being a roofing contractor. And so that knowledge of roofing gave you an advantage, I'm going to say, Jason, as a firefighter, specifically being on the roof and handling yourself and the situation on the roof. Is that fair? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We had, uh, uh, like I said, I, I got transferred to the truck company. Yes. You know, and our our standard was, you know, you're cutting holes in the roof. And what you're doing that for was obviously the vent, the, the hot, super hot gases and, and the heat. And you're trying to make visibility, survivability, overall conditions within the interior of that, that structure on your crew on maybe a, a um, somebody that might be trapped somewhere that couldn't get out. Yes. To make conditions better so they can survive till we get to them or we put out the fire or whatever the case may be. So, you know, it, just that experience of cutting those holes and being able to know when I was up on top of those things, um, okay, this this is soft. Um, I don't need to be here. And it was either soft because of the, the fire conditions or maybe it was soft because um, it wasn't that it wasn't ventilated properly when they put the roof on. So in your condition, it's not very, it, it's a bad deal. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And yeah. we had guys up there that might not have been as comfortable or understood the science. Right. Um, when they're walking on these things. So thank you. Yeah. Uh, Jason, I, I want to circle back to uh, your email again for our listeners. Uh, another portion of your original email to me. And uh, you've already said some of this, but I would like, I would like to read it. I have seen fairly new roofs that look 25 years old due to lack of proper attic ventilation. I have seen sheathing the roof deck that had moisture, even dry rotted from the lack of 
or improper attic ventilation. And, and that's that's what you've seen in your experience that you shared with me uh, in that original email. Thank you for that. Uh, Jason, you didn't know I was going to ask you this, but I, I think you'll be OK winging it. Uh, could you could you give a uh, an example of uh, a fire scene where they did not have proper ventilation versus a similar fire, if that's even possible, and they did have proper attic ventilation? Like, are those two different fires? Yeah, yeah, I, they're definitely two different fires. Um, like I said, the, the original statement that I made and, and you brought up, you know, it makes or breaks the scene. Um, and and to give you a couple real life experiences, I got a bunch of them, and and that's why I said I can talk for hours about this stuff. I'm passionate, and I, I love the firefighting, I love the ventilation, I love all this stuff. So, um, but I, I had an incident where uh, we had a, a structure fire, and I was coming from a volunteer department where I lived, but I, I would go into the city where I worked. So I was I was also a volunteer on there. Um, but I was going into the city on this structure fire um, and the battalion chief that was on for this incident heard my voice over the radio because I was sitting in the officer's seat coming from this volunteer department because I had more experience. So they wanted me to be in the officer's seat. Um, so I'm driving this fire. He heard my voice. And 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 later on in the incident, he, he informed me. He said, I heard your voice. I knew who it was. He goes, so that's why when you got here, I instantly threw you on ventilation. So. We got thrown the ventilation and they normally don't do that in a, in a bigger city with a, a volunteer department coming to him. But he knew who was on it. He was like, yeah, I want that guy on ventilation. So uh, we got up through all through our ladders, got our saws, got everything together and we get up. And as soon as I get to the roof line, it is covered in smoke. The, the smoke was from this fire just banked down in the atmosphere of the humidity, just banked it down to where it was sitting, like hovering on the roof line. I could not see a foot in front of me um, and during our training and you go back to muscle memory with all this training. That's why we did it so much. Um, but during our training, you know, I, I would sound the roof before I step out onto the, onto the roof. Um, and as I'm sounding the roof, you know, something's telling me that this thing's pretty soft. Like I'm, I'm sounding it. It's pretty soft. Um, more of the story is this fire was the, the, the structure was a loss. Um, and we almost had, it was a two story. We had a, a firefighter and it's actually somebody that I mentioned earlier. It was my engineer, Sean McBride. Uh, he's a battalion chief now for the same fire department, Salisbury fire department in North Carolina. Um, but he was interior on this, on this fire and he was on the second floor and the floor wasn't there. He was sounding the floor with his foot. And as he was advancing, trying to get to the fire, uh, he went to sound the floor. There was no floor there. And he had uh. died to the first floor. So they ended up calling a mayday inside the structure fire. And I'm up on this ladder and I can't see. And I radioed down the battalion and I said, hey, look, I can't even see the roof line. The, the roof seems spongy. Um, I don't I don't think it's a good idea to be going up here and cutting a hole. And he's like, all right, come down. I'm going to reassign you anyways. We have an emergency that's inside. We might have a writ. And that's rapid intervention crew. I'm sorry. I don't, Thank I, you. That's I, good. That's good. But grid is the rapid intervention crew. That's a, a team of firefighters devoted to just being there for firefighters that go down. It, they do nothing on the scene. They're only there if a mayday comes through. So he was like, I want you to go to RIT. So I ended up coming down off the ladder. Now I tell my crew, hey, grab all the air bottles that we can get, grab some saws, grab axes, grab halligans, all these tools, because we might need to go in there and rescue one of our own brothers. 
Um, and I, I say grab a, a tagline, which is a rope that we we can take in with us. And they, normally we go on with a hose line. I'm like, no, we're not taking that. It's going to slow us down. We're going to get our brother and get the hell out of there. That's all we got to do. Um, so we ended up tying to a, a tree. Thank God um, when he went and sounded the floor, his foot went through and he almost did a head dive into uh, down to the first floor. His, I think it was his engineer was behind him, grabbed his strap to his uh, air pack and was holding him. And then he reached back and grabbed the door jam. So he was holding his air pack and holding his door jam. And there was no floor in front of him on the second floor. So he was just holding them up like that. And uh, they were sending us in. And as we were getting ready to go in, they were coming out. Um, and then, you know, we de-escalate the incident after everything's said and done and, and the, the fire's out. We de-escalate the incident. And uh, uh, McBride seen that I was on the RIT crew. And he says, later on, this is a couple days later, he says, I'm so glad that you're on that RIT team. He goes, because I know who was coming in to get me. And I know it's, I was going home to my family that day. Wow. Um, yeah, but to change to change uh, direction and say how it works for you, we had another structure fire where um, we get called out. It's middle of the night, probably like two in the morning. So we're all we already behind the ball. We're not active. We're sleeping. We're already behind the ball. It takes us a little bit more time to actually wake up, get downstairs, get dressed, um, go to this to the to the scene. Um, we get there. And I'm, our, I'm on the ladder truck working for the city this time. And uh, my captain says, hey, we're doing ventilation. Um, I want you to go up with uh, the other firefighter and I want you to cut our hole. So we go up. The fire is in the basement. Um, and the guys that are interior had to take down this garage door to go in and start fighting this fire. And then we go up, cut the hole, and we're probably on the roof and off the roof for a total of maybe five minutes. It seemed pretty fast. Um, we, we got up, cut the hole, punched our hole out on, on the plywood going through the roof sheathing. And then we have to make a hole where the drywall is obviously still. So we've got to take a pipe pole that's, you know, eight, 10 feet long and you got to jam that through and, and knock down your drywall to create that chimney. Um, so, and, and that was just an incident where it could have been really bad, but it actually turned out to be pretty good. You know, we got it out pretty quick. Um, and it just goes to show that when you, when you coordinate that stuff and you, you definitely have a better chance of survivability and saving property and saving lives. And sure, sure. Jason, look, no one wants a fire, obviously, but it sounds like just from this conversation with you, the condition of the roof, God forbid there's a fire, the condition of the roof could be questionable at best if all along there wasn't proper attic ventilation helping that roof all those years and now in the moment of a fire, again, emergency, that 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 comes into play. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and there's a thing called flashover and that's when the, the room and content gets so heated just from the fire on the other side of the room that it'll flash all the content within that room when it reaches a certain temperature, when it reaches its flash point. So that's something that we needed to think about going into a fire. And that's where ventilation comes into play. Like you got to get that stuff out of there and get all that heat and, and, and bad because it ends up being a fuel that that smoke, it ends up being a fuel because it's heating everything so much that it's just eventually going to hit that ignition point and it's just going to flash. And then if the firefighter that's in there with the water hose, he's, 
he's stuck. He's in a bad spot. Right, and, right. And, and there's no way to take it back. There's signs that we're supposed to look for when we're in there, but it's like, yeah, you better be really experienced to know what those signs are. Sure, sure. Uh, Jason, uh, a few times you've used the word uh, uh, vent crew, the ventilation crew, as part. Of, so th that's an actual, uh, is that the actual term? Uh, th there's a vent crew for a firefighter? Yes, sir. Yeah, yes, sir. I like that. Yeah. I was on the, on the truck and what we did in our city is when I, when I was um, when I was phasing out of the fire department back in the roofing, uh, we went to a new practice where we were doing uh, we would split the ladder truck. They would have four personnel on the truck, but two would go and make entry to the building for the engine company that was going in with the, the water hose. But two would go in, make entry, and then they would do a search. They would go look for survived victims and you know, people that couldn't make it out and they would also be searching for the fire while they're in there, but they got no water hose. So they're moving fast. They're a rapid team. They're going in to be like bang, bang and, and find their victim or find the fire and relay it back to the, to the uh, hose company that's going in to put out the fire. And then the, the second crew would throw ladders all around the exterior to egress points, windows, and, um, and then they would be setting up for ventilation. Um, and then the vent crew would go up and, and make their cut. And going back to how we're talking about at the beginning where you're coordinating with the fire attack crew, if the vent crew and the fire attack crew didn't coordinate properly at the same exact time, they're cutting a hole before they're ready. And that fire is going to grow exponentially because you just opened the door and you opened the roof. So now you got, you're introducing uh, oxygen to the fire for one, and then you have an exhaust point. So that thing's just, you're feeding it, and that thing's just going to grow and grow and grow. So if they're not ready, you just put yourself in a, in a bad spot and you put yourself behind the eight ball. But uh, yeah, it's it's coordinating. And, and obviously when we break it down into roofing terms, you know, coordinating and, and making sure that you have the right personnel, like I said earlier, that knows intake to exhaust and and not being that dinosaur of old days where you're like, ah, more is better. Let's just throw a whole bunch of ridge vents, some whirly birds, some box vents. That when I first came into the industry, uh, I'm ashamed to admit this, <laughs> but we we did that. You know, I was working for a company and, and you would put ridge vent from end to end, and you would put some box vents up there with it. And you would put maybe a whirly bird because the customer asked for it and you didn't know any better. So you were like, hey, more exhaust, great. But on, on the flip side, did you even check to see if they had intake? So you're just throwing a whole bunch of holes up there that are really doing nothing. Sure, so, sure. Uh, and Jason. Short circuiting and all that stuff a lot with ventilation, you know, yeah. and, and people just don't understand that. And, and I'm not trying to throw stones, but some people in the roofing industry don't need to be in it. Um, you know, if, if you're too afraid to go research or to change your practices, um, and that's the great thing about being with the Allard Roofing Company, um, Craig, the owner, um, I come in and started talking ventilation and, and this and that. And, you know, he was one of those guys where we grew up together and we did roofing together and we were back in Michigan and I worked for his brother at, at the time. And it's actually my brother-in-law, the owner of the company. So, so when we were throwing all that stuff up, it was just, you know, exhaust, exhaust, exhaust. So it's like, um, when I came in talking ventilation, he, he had that mentality where like, oh, no, this is how we did it and this is how we do it. But he's also smart enough to realize times has changed. You got to you got to move with it or else you're going to be stuck behind in the past. Yeah. 
Yes. And, and, and a lot of your stuff with, um, with your, with your company, um, obviously getting that stuff in and handing it out and showing, and I, I revamped our, our website and I did an, uh, added ventilation page so our customers can go in and they can have that research because an informed customer makes it easier for us to be honest. Um, it was part of our training. Craig, Craig made it a point to where I had to do a actual block of time during our training through the month to where I had to explain our ventilation page and how our estimators could go in there, use the calculator to determine intake versus exhaust and, and get your propic or your, your proper NFA values and stuff like that for products. Yeah. And that's where you guys came into play. I downloaded this app called AirVent. And um, it gave me an understanding for the NFAs on products. You know, if not, I would have been searching for hours looking for this stuff. That app has saved me more time than you guys realize. And that's why, and that's why your e-blast, I always read them. Your, your podcast, I'm always listening. If I can learn something, I definitely want to learn it. I don't want to be that misinformed guy sitting at the, in front of a customer and they ask me a question and I'm stumped. I don't want that. Thank you, Jason. Boy, you've said a lot of things that caught my attention. Uh, thank you for the kind words. Uh, yes, for our sir. listeners, NFA is net free area. Every vent manufacturer assigns a net free area value to its vent. That's how much air can go through the vent. Uh, Jason, thanks for the comments about the app. Awesome. Uh, uh, I'm glad you were able to revamp or, or improve your website or add some features to your website. For our listeners, we have a portion on our website, airvent.com, called Homeowner Hut. And it's uh, got content to help you, the professional roofing contractor, explain things to the homeowner. Or the homeowner might do some research, like Jason said, an informed homeowner. So they might do their own research. So anyway, Homeowner Hut on airvent.com. And then uh, two more things, Jason. I just wanted to just share for our listeners who, who may not be as well-versed on attic ventilation, when, when we talk about attic ventilation for a house, uh, we, we mean that incoming air and exiting air through the attic. So the incoming air enters through the intake vents placed in the soffit or the overhang of the house or very low on the roof and then near the edge of the roof. And that incoming air helps to flush out any heat or moisture buildup in the attic and pushes it through the exhaust vents, which are positioned either at the ridge, like ridge vents that Jason mentioned, or near the roof's peak. Uh, Jason, I, I, I chuckled privately listening to you before I got into the industry, and I'm not a contractor, I'm not, but I talked to a lot of them. Uh, before I got into this with air vent, I, I thought more was better. I, I if, if I saw a combination of vents, first of all, I didn't even know that, that was bad, but I just thought that, that okay, they're, they're loading up on exhaust. But now that I'm in the industry and I've done the research, yeah, you don't want to mix types of exhaust. You want to stick with one system so, so we don't short circuit. So thank you for letting me uh, rewind a little bit there, Jason. Hey, Jason, uh, you used in our correspondence that uh, you, you use the phrase the ventilation guy, kind of casual, but I'm going to I'm going to. Uh, ask you explain it if you don't mind at the Howard Roofing Company. I guess you're unofficially the ventilation guy. Uh, how, how for our listeners, Jason? How has that helped the business, the, the company, by by having at least some focus on ventilation? Uh, we actually have a lot of focus on it now. Um, uh, like I said, Craig, 
uh, has taken this thing and, and ran with it. Like he's, it turned him passionate about ventilation to where he was doing his research and, and he was coming to me and saying, Hey, uh, you know, what about this, this, and this? And he was learning just like, you know, we all are as we transition over into this new thing. Um, and, and it's helped us exponentially with, we get in front of a, a customer. And like you said, sometimes you'll have an informed customer that has questions. And if, and if you're just a salesman out there, and um, the only thing that you know is more is better, that ain't gonna work for that customer. You just lost that sale. Um, and, and we're fortunate to where we have a, a, a couple estimators that have been in the industry for a while. Um, but we went to them and like I said, back when we had our, our monthly meeting, it was part of my requirement by Craig. He said, hey, I want you to you know, present this, show them our webpage, show them what it's, what it's telling them show them the calculator, show them how to use it. So we sat down and spent like a good two hours, hour and a half, like diving into it, coming up with the, you know, the ratio and, and, and working out um, how you come up with the figure for how many pieces of either four foot ridge vent or, or whatever you need for, for ventilation to properly ventilate it. Yes. So it's, it's helped us a lot. Um, and having that updated webpage, has helped us a lot because when they hit our website, the allerroofingcompany.com, they, they, they're doing their research. And I wish more homeowners were like this, where they would do that research and be informed because when they come to us with questions, trying to stump us or trying to make sure we know what we're talking about, that's, that lets us know that we're, we're dealing with somebody that's, that understands what they're doing. They're not going to go to just any roofing company at this point, which they're all over the place. People that, like I said earlier, there's some that shouldn't even be in the industry. You know, they just pop up and and they're trying to make a quick buck. Uh, but they're not looking out for the customer. They're not doing them justification by putting a roof on there that's poorly done with poor poor ventilation, or they're still stuck in the, the old days, like I said, and and you know they don't understand the importance of it. Yes, yes. Thank you for sharing that, Jason. Uh, Jason, so I I think you are the first roofing contractor I've ever talked to who's also a firefighter it's kind of neat it's kind of neat for me I mean I was excited about this episode extra because of it and I'm just curious uh does it ever come up in conversation with a potential client or an actual client a homeowner uh either your firefighting experience uh, in part because maybe they're resisting the need for ventilation or is that really not the way the conversation needs to go um Yes, it definitely does. Um, and when I, when I first came to Florida and started helping my brother-in-law, like we, we were wearing a bunch of different hats. I think I told you this in, in a previous conversation, but we were wearing a bunch of different hats. You know, we were just starting out the company, not that and getting our feet wet with the company. And so I was doing marketing. I was doing the web design. I was doing uh, pricing within our, our, our system that we use for measuring out roofs. I was doing estimates. I was everywhere. Um, and I was dealing a lot with customers. So when they would bring up the topic of, of ventilation, you know, that would being uh, the light bulb would go off and I'd be like, yeah, now I, now I'm in this. Let me talk to you. Cause I'm not a salesman. I'm going to be honest with you, Paul. I'm not a salesman. Um, so that, that would spark my interest and they would see that, I would, I would change. Like all of a sudden I'd have too much to say and they'd be like, Hey man, I just want to know <laughs> what the price of that roof is going to be. <laughs> but, but 
um, it, it's it's helped a ton with that. It's helped a ton with uh, informing our sales crew and letting them know, like, hey, we're not going to be that that other company that just throws more ventilation up there and and just tries to get away with whatever. Um, so they, they're they're informed. They they know what they're doing. They know how to work out the equation um, to figure out uh, what what they need. Uh, so, but yeah, customers always ask about it. And, and as soon as I start talking about firefighting, just like with this episode, you know, I run away with it and, uh, that the, the customer realizes that they have somebody, well, that used to be a firefighter for one. So they, they kind of get a level of trust where the roofing industry gets a level of, um, not so trusted. It's two different ends of the spectrum. So they're, they're, they hear firefighter and then they automatically perk up like, okay, well, I can trust this guy. But then I tell them I was on the busiest truck in the city. And, you know, I was, I was on the ladder truck. I was, I was a truckie. I was a guy that went into the fire without the hose and I was looking for victims and stuff like that. I was the guy that threw the ladder and, and went up and cut the ventilation hole. So they started hearing that stuff and they're like, okay, well, this guy's probably on to something about ventilation. So all those naysayers out there on at those other companies that they spoke with, you know, because they're getting three estimates just like yep. everybody, and they're talking to uh, another company that's telling them, ah, ventilation, that nah, you, you don't really need it. It's not that big of a deal. Well, I mean, like I said, it, it all goes back to research, and you know, you, if you get passionate about this stuff, you know, when you're crawling through those attics and looking for a leak, just look up, and 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 it'll speak for itself. You know, you got that dry rot. Uh, plywood and 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 there's no leak anywhere in sight. It's just got nothing to do with that. It's got to do with the 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 fact that they the installation crew that, that did the previous roof didn't ventilate properly. Right. They didn't, they trapped they didn't, that yeah. Yes, sir. They trapped it all in there, and and it's cooking it underneath as well as on top because you're in Florida. You're in Texas, correct? Yes. Yes, I yeah. am. I mean, the heat, the sun's baking it down all day. And I try to explain it to the customer that way, like it's an oven, you know, you're, you're cooking it from up top and then you're cooking it from below. All you're doing is, is you're wearing that product out. It's not going to see its lifespan. Um, you're going to have to replace it way sooner than you expected. Yes. So it, it always comes up and, it, and it's definitely um, a, a key to some of our sales for sure. That's, that's awesome, Jason. Uh, man, I've really enjoyed this conversation, Jason, very much. So glad you reached out to me. Uh, as we sort of wind down a little bit, is there anything you'd like to add, Jason, uh, for our listeners uh, about anything, either either this topic or or anything in general that you would like to offer? Uh, yeah, just just for the customer out there um, listening, whether it be here in Florida they're in Texas for you. It's just do your research. Um, you can find out about these companies pretty fast. If they know what they're talking about, if they, if they actually have, have done the work and, and they do good work, you'll see it in their reviews, not paid reviews, because there's a bunch of fake paid reviews out there too. But, you know, you'll see the honest reviews out there, you know, coming from customers with a heartfelt, you know, appreciation for a company that came in, treated them right, didn't rake them over the coals on their pricing, did a fantastic job. Uh, just do your research and understand that, you know, that ventilation is key to giving you more years on that roof to where you're not having a turnover of 10, 15 years to where you got to replace, you know, and, and these insurance companies down here in Florida, I don't know if it's the same in Texas or anything like that, but insurance companies here in Florida are forcing homeowners 
after 10, 15 years to replace their roof. So they're going to uninsure them. They drop on coverage. Um, so a lot of homeowners are getting forced. They're, they're forcing their hand to get new roofs. And, and it could be basically simply because they didn't have the, the proper ventilation, you know? And so just be, do your due diligence, do your research and be informed. So when you go to that contractor and you ask him questions and, and it stumps him, or he says, ventilation ain't that important. Time to hang up the phone and go to the next contract. You I know? like it. Yeah. Thank you, Jason. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Really enjoyed this conversation. Thank thank you for being our guest today. Thank you for initiating the, the reach out to begin with when we, you responded to that e-blast. And let's please continue to keep in touch, Jason. I, I, I want to keep in touch with you on behalf of AirVan and the industry and homeowners. Uh, thank you very much, Jason, for your time today. I appreciate it, Paul. Thank you for having me. And and like I said earlier at the beginning, um, we're, we're going to get you down here to Fort Myers, Florida, whether you like it or not. We're going to have to have a seminar where you where you teach me something and, and I'm just sitting there in awe of Paul. <laughs> You're going to teach me too. We'll, we'll learn together, Jason. We're going to learn together. I love maybe, it. Maybe you'll get me on the crew to go around and travel. And do some <laughs> <of these conferences. laughs> hey, Jason, thank you so much. It is eye-opening to hear a former firefighter, who's also a roofing contractor, talk about his first-hand observations of the importance of attic ventilation. Well, that wraps up this episode. Please leave a review on YouTube or whatever platform you use to listen to this episode. Be sure to let us know if there's a topic you'd like us to cover in future episodes. Maybe you'd like to be a guest one day like Jason was a guest. Drop us a note on the podcast page of our website, airvent.com. You can also reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And please come back for more Airing It Out with Airvent. I'm Paul Shelsey. Thanks for listening.